You are listening to Meat and Potatoes, a 12-week teaching series from Jubilee Church. Meat and Potatoes is an expression used to convey the most important and basic parts of an idea or practice. This series will explore some of the most critical elements of Christian faith. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, it's been a while uh, since I spoke here. Why don't we get... Uh, to our Bibles. If you, didn't, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a black Bible underneath the chair in front of you. We're in Matthew 13. If you, don't, if you do have one of those black Bibles, that's page, page 818. Page 818. We're in a series called Meat and Potatoes because we want to grab a hold of the staples of our faith. No empty calories. We want what's core. We want what's rich. And uh, we, we trust that you'll be greatly served uh, by this series. I hope so. That's the point. I mean, you know, we, we hope that for any series, but um, I think this will be particularly core to, to many of us. Uh, Matthew 13, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Actually, scratch that. I'm going to read verses 3 through 9. Let's and he told them, that is Jesus, Many things in parables. So Jesus talked in stories. He, 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 he said this is what the kingdom is like. He wasn't saying this is the kingdom, but he's saying this is what it's like to help us understand. He's communicating in these stories. He says, and he told, us a, he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, uh, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds, excuse me, fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Here's a key verse. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, The Bible, this book right here, the Bible has a uh, very clear warning, has massive warnings for those uh, like me that that teach and preach, that communicate uh, God's word. Um, Jesus himself says things like, if you cause any one of these to stumble, any one of my followers, any of these little sheep, if you uh, cause any one of them to stumble, it's better that you had a millstone, a very, very heavy stone, tied around your neck and you're thrown into the deepest of sea. Uh, Another thing he says is that if you add to this, like if you say something that this book doesn't say, if uh, if you add anything to this, um, I will add to you the plagues that are written about in this book. And, and then James says, not many of you should uh, want to be teachers because teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. Now, I feel the weight of these things. The, I, they don't tell me, they don't, by the way, they don't tell you this stuff before you step into the, they tell you those things after you step in. But these things fall upon me. Th- this warning to those who would, who would open their mouth and communicate, hey, this is what the Bible says. I know there's a lot of funny business happening in the church, but th- just to say that God's, um, nobody's getting away with anything. And so there's these texts, um, uh, they, 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 
they, they press upon me and, and I consider them and I think about them. That's why like before service, if you see me, I look intense and there's like, man, his mind looks like it's somewhere else. It is somewhere else. It's, it's thinking about millstone plagues and stricter judgment. That's what it's thinking about. That's what's going on in my mind because uh, that is the warning that is placed upon um, me and uh, I, I'm with Jesus on this. I'm not so much worried about what's going to happen to me, but what he's trying to communicate uh, is, is that he deeply cares about his people and he, he deeply cares about how they're led. And uh, he's wanting to purge within guys like me um, any kind of selfish ambition, anything inside of us uh, that would want to do this for uh, personal gain, whether that's financial, whether that's approval, whether that's power, uh, any of those kinds of things. And, and Jesus just comes right out and says, it. he says, look, here's how I want the leaders in my church, of my church to act. I am the good shepherd, but I'm going to call under shepherds. And they need to have the same self-sacrificing leadership uh, that, I, that I exude. So, so I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. When, when the wolf comes, I don't go. I stay. I lay down my life. The hired hand, the one who's in it for position, the one that's in it for power, the one that's in it for money, for whatever, fill in the blank. When, uh, when the wolf comes, he leaves because he cares nothing for the sheep. He's just in it for what he gets out of it. And so uh, the, the, the number one, the most indispensable quality of any, of any elder, of anyone, anyone who would teach any, is the desire and the willingness to lay down their life for the people. It's not it's not how well you communicate to a large group of people. It's not how well, how, how well you know the original language or you know, how much you make people giggle. That, that, those aren't the biggest quality. The number one quality, the indispensable quality, is will you lay down your life um, for the sheep. And so uh, when we're bringing guys through, I mean, this is the thing that um, I push hard. And I, I push hard. I mean, they're, they're, I go through John 10 all the time because... Um, this is huge. This, this is massive uh, because there is this warning out there uh, in Scripture. Now, I just want to say that I'm just super proud uh, of the elders that we have. Um, I'm proud of them because I don't think they just, they're willing to lay down their life. I see them lay down their lives. Uh, a lot of it you don't see, but I see it. Um, they're laying down their life uh, for you. Um, now, here's where you may not always appreciate that from them or from me, is that for, me, for that to be true, for me to lay down my life for you, and this is where Jesus is getting, is that I have to uh, not care, or let me say it this way, I, I can't overcare what you think about what I say. Because there are times that if I communicate the entirety of Scripture, if I communicate what it says, I'm going to get some high fives, and I'm going to get some meetings. And so we um, are in... So this comes up because there's this warning. So Jesus says, let me help you not care about what other people think. I'm going to give you something greater to fear than that. Me. I'm who I want you to fear. And um, there's this massive warning for those who would communicate God's word, those who would speak God's word. There's this massive warning about what you say and how you say it. Now today is about, is a warning for those who would hear God's word. There's a clear warning in scripture about how we communicate God's word. And there's a clear warning in scripture about how you and how we, I should say, we hear God's word. 
And God's word could be, it, it is a lot of different things. Hebrew, Hebrews 1 says that God has spoken to us in many different ways. He's spoken to us through the prophets, through the Old Testament. He's spoken through us through the Psalms and the, and the wisdom literature. He's spoken to us through the New Testament and his son, the, you know, the perfect imprint of the father. He, he's spoken to us the loudest through the son and, and continues to speak to us today through the Holy Spirit. And I bring this up all today because one of the things that Jesus says here in Matthew 13 is that you need to take heed. You need to take care how you listen, how you hear. It's all throughout scripture. Jesus is saying that over and over again. You who have ears, let him hear. The kingdom of God, it comes to those uh, who hear. So take care how you hear. You see, God's plan for your life, he wants his goodness, he wants his reign, he wants his kingdom. That's what his kingdom means, that that becoming a Christian isn't just about you saying a prayer. It's not just about him forgiving you of your sins, but even if it was just that, it would be amazing. I mean, how amazing would that, to be free of guilt, to be free of punishment, that he forgives your sins. But the forgiveness of sins is just the entry point. What he wants to bring you into is no less than heaven coming into your world. Healing, bringing ultimate healing to your brokenness, whether that's spiritual brokenness, emotional, physical, whatever. He, he wants his kingdom to come in. And the way his kingdom comes in is in how you hear. So take heed how you hear. And he begins to warn us about how we hear. And he gives us, this exam, he gives us some examples on that. Well, let me just say this before I get into that. Is what does it mean when he says that the kingdom comes by hearing? Well, uh, See, we, we, we have to wrestle with what, what, is it, what, is God king, what does God, God's kingdom look like and how it comes into our life and what, it, what do earthly kingdoms look like and how those interact with our life. Earthly kingdoms always come through coercion and force. And, and what I mean by that, it never comes through hearing. Uh, earthly leaders uh, are always good at getting a hearing, but they're not so good at giving a hearing. Earthly, you know, whether it's a politician or, or, or CEO or, or whatever, um, they're good at getting here. They're good at getting their message out. They're good at marketing, advertising. Um, they know how to impose their will. They know how to walk into a room and, and get people to do what they want them to do. In fact, uh, it's not a good quality if you're an earthly leader to, to be a good listener. Um, because, you know, you're not dynamic enough, you're not decisive enough, and you're just going to get pushed aside by someone who's a worse listener than you are. The kingdoms of this world, they, they, they grow and they expand by coercion and force, but the kingdom of God comes to you through listening, through listening well, through understanding it's the primary skill of the kingdom of God kingdom of God advances by hearing truth. It's like a seed, he says, that gets planted in your heart and then it begins to grow. Earthly kingdoms come by force. You think about, you know, like guys like Alexander the Great. I mean, it was just obvious. Like when he came to your town, it was obvious that his kingdom was there. Very loud, very, very, very bright. And there were just two kinds of people that were left. There were people who were part of his kingdom and those who were dead. You either joined forces with him or you were eliminated. And that's how kingdoms work. Um, there was no resisting it. And it's not just dictatorships that work like that, but our democracy works the same way. It, the majority advances. So like in our democracy, we vote people in or we, you vote in for a, a bill or whatever or a proposition. And the, if the 51% say yes, 
the majority uh, rule the minority. It's the way it works. It's the way it moves forward. The kingdom of God is different. It's like a seed. It's not like a boulder. A boulder comes in and like smashes the ground. It uses sheer external force to change the landscape. A seed is, comes in very quietly, almost unnoticed, and it works internally and organically. A boulder can just smash the ground, but a seed actually will transform the ground. But we're not used to this kind of kingdom, uh, which is why we miss it, which is why we don't hear right. Um, we, we, te- we, we want to interpret what God is doing through how the kingdom of this world works. We want God to be very dramatic in our life. We want God to intervene and smash things now. We want the problems to be fixed now. Uh, even when we interpret if God's doing anything in our lives, we think about the dramatic um, so when we, was, I, I hear people all the time, just like, Mom, my story is kind of boring. You know, like we, we want the exciting story. You know, the guy comes up and, you know, I used to do drugs. Now I don't do drugs anymore. And I got a tattoo of a chihuahua and I've got, you know, my El Camino and, and I got saved. Now I don't do drugs anymore. Very dramatic, just night and day different story. It's like, I don't have this dramatic story. Maybe it's just about like, you know, your story is, you know, I was just, you know, God did something one day and all of a sudden now there, there is something different. There's something different about me. You know, you, you just begin to, you, you, you don't notice it. Have you ever, let me put it this way. Have you ever watched a plant grow? It's dramatic, exciting. No, it's not, is it? If you ever watch like a PBS show about uh, some things growing and, and plants and all that, they have to do the time-lapse camera to keep your attention. And it's, you know, you, there may be a day or two where, where you know, the, you, you, you go out and you see your plant and it, and it may, sh- you know, oh, there's, there's actually a leaf there today that wasn't there yesterday or a bud there today that wasn't there yesterday. But most of the time it's, it's, it's growing very, very slowly but surely. But here's the thing. A, a seed that's planted into the ground that can almost go unnoticed can actually end up transforming an entire field. You see, a seed can, can do more to a field, more than a boulder or even dynamite could ever do. And Jesus says, my seed, the gospel truth, if you hear it and you plant it into your heart and you let it grow and grow, one of these days it's going to cover this earth like the water covers the sea. And there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. But it's very unassuming and we often miss it. Because we, we interpret like John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist, when he found himself in prison, he was the one who, who boldly proclaimed, here comes Jesus. You know, everyone follow Jesus. Get behind Jesus. Here's the kingdom. You brood of viper, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was, and then he's in prison. He's like, well, wait a minute. This isn't what I expected. So he says, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? Because I'm in prison and I'm suffering and I feel rejected. That This isn't the way I expect God to work. It's just like us. You know, God, I'm, I'm suffering. I'm in pain. And I want, I want 
something very dramatic to come in and change things. And Jesus said to John the Baptist, which he says to you, he says, that's not how my kingdom works. My kingdom is not like the kingdom of this world. My kingdom doesn't come with sheer force and just get rid of evil because if it did, I would have to get rid of you. My kingdom comes in like a seed and it gets planted inside of you. And some days it feels slow, but it's growing and it's doing a work in your heart and your life. So you need to take heed how you hear because you might miss it. See, here's how Jesus communicates. This is how God communicates to us. It's not very loud and dramatic. When we, when we think about personal direction or what God would have us to do, we want God to write on the wall. Uh, we want God to be very obvious. We want God to be very noisy. Again, the kingdoms of the world, they're, they're the ones that are obvious and noisy. I mean, there's just, there's billboards. There's, you got to live this way and you do this and there's advertisement. You know, you look at your phone and, you know, it's just, Every, this, whatever, I'm playing a game yesterday, just advertising, advertising, very noisy, loud, loud, loud. It's not the way, it's not the way God always is. He sometimes, but I would say it's the exception to the rule. It's an exciting exception to the rule, and I've been so thankful for the times he has been dramatic. But let me show you something in First Kings 19. Let me show you a, a little bit of, of something here about how God works. Okay. You don't need to turn there. Uh, we'll have this on the screen. First Kings uh, 19, verse 11. And he that uh, said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces, the rocks before the Lord. That's what we want. We want something very dramatic. We want the wind to come. We want it to bust up our situation. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind and earthquake, even better. That's great. That's powerful. That's dramatic. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. So the, so the Lord was not in the earth, wind, or the fire. <laughs> After the fire... So he wasn't in the dramatics, but here's where God was. After the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, Jesus said in Matthew 10, what I whisper to you. Oftentimes, God, I think primarily, whispers to us. And there's a reason for it. The reason why he whispers to us, Dave, why don't you come up here? If I was to talk to David, I wouldn't say, Hey, David, how you doing? You sh- that's all I needed. Thank you very much. You shout at somebody who's across the street, across the parking lot, across the room. What David would have rathered me done, he would have rather you whisper to someone who's close to you. You see, God, the big picture of God is he's a father looking for a family. He's just not out to shout direction to your life arbitrarily just because he can, and he can, He's after relationship with you. 
And he's not going to cheat you of the most important thing that you can experience, his reign and rule in your life, by shouting at you. He's going to say, you're going to need to come a little closer. If you want to hear the voice of God, God says, you need to walk with me. You need to come near me. He's not playing games. He's actually leading you into life. For him just to shout at you means that you don't have to get very close to him. And he's after a relationship. If you want to hear God, if you want to know what it means to hear the whisper of God, it means pursuing. That's why Jesus says things like, if you, here's the thing you got to do, guys. If, if you really want to get the most out of life, you got to seek him first. You must seek my kingdom. You must seek me in, in, in my right. You have to seek that first. And then all these other things that you want. I know you want, I know you want shelter and I know you want food and I know you want uh, to be, uh, pers- you want, per- you don't want all this stuff. You want clothes, you want to be taken care of. You want to have fun in life. You want to enjoy life. But those things shout at you. And if you listen to, if you make that the thing you listen to most, you're going to miss my voice. But if you pay very close attention to my voice, you'll hear me, you'll get me, you'll receive me. And all those things that I know that you need, I'm going to give them to you. So Jesus gives us this warning. You've got to take heed how you hear. You must be careful or you're going to miss something very, very important. And for you to hear my voice, I think God says, is you're going to have to come a little closer. He wants to be with you. He wants to be next with you. He wants to spend days with you. So what are these warnings? Well, the, he comes to us. He speaks in our language. Back then, it was very uh, agrarian, and so they, he, he used a lot of farming language, and, and I think it translates today. So he mentions a few different kinds of soil. The three, there's one soil that's a good soil, and then there's three warnings. There's three ways uh, that keep us from hearing God. Um, and the, the first one is uh, a hard heart. So he talks about a seed that falls on this path that's hard. It's like, it's rock. It's, it's, and then what happens, because it never penetrates the surface, it never gets deep inside the surface, the enemy comes, snatches away, uh, and then off it goes. So you, so you miss out completely. Uh, what does it look like? What, it, what does a hard heart look like? Well, I think a couple different things. Number one, it means that you respond to him intellectually only. And what I mean by that is that, yeah, you, you hear something maybe today or you're reading in your Bible tomorrow or just, you know, you hear a thought from a friend. And you're like, that's good, that's right, but I'm not going to do anything with it. It's just out there. It's just information that, that's out there that you, that you, you know, hit the like button or do whatever. You, you agree with it, but you, you don't take it in. It never, it never gets inside of you. So anyway, the enemy comes and snatches it away. Hebrews 3 says this, verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Every time you hear God's truth, uh, there's a quote that goes, you know, the same son that, um, no, I've just missed it. Um, Melts the ice, hardens the clay. The same sun that uh, hardens the clay, melts the ice, or whatever. Um, You get it, sorry. 
Every time you hear truth, there's, there's, there's an opportunity for you to be crippled in a good way by that truth, for you to be melted by that truth, for you to be transformed by that truth, or it's just another opportunity for you to get even harder than your heart was before you heard it in the first place. This is a huge warning. Do not harden your heart. If you hear something today, if even now as I'm speaking, you hear something, you're like, man, that's true. You must respond. You, you need, your heart will grow harder and harder and harder. And then down the way, it just, you can't hear anything. It just bounces off you like kryptonite or whatever. Something that repels it. Iron. Um, so it's intellectual. The second thing I think it can harden your heart is, is just bitterness. You just, you're, you're, somebody hurt you and you didn't forgive them. And ever since that day, you've done, you've nothing, you just got harder and harder. Your heart got harder, 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 harder. I will not let that happen to me again. Some of it's been very painful and things that I don't, that I, maybe I don't, I couldn't relate to or not many people could relate to. Could be something simple, could be a person, could be a thing. I just, you just, people do that with the church. I got hurt by that church. So I'm just gonna, my heart's just gonna, I'm just gonna grow bitter toward church in general. My heart got hurt by my father, my heart got hurt by my boyfriend. I'm just going to harden my heart toward men in general. To see bitterness, it, it's what I read. Here's another quote that I'm going to mess up. Ready for this? Um, um, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Every day, that you do not forgive that person, you walk into your medicine cabinet, you get out some poison, you take a swig, and you think that somehow by not forgiving that person, they're the ones who's going to be, get injured. But let me tell you something. You are doing great, great, grave damage to your heart and to yourself, and you will ignore it. Today, today may just be the day that you finally, finally forgive that person. And here's, here's how it becomes easy. You just need to look to Jesus and see how he forgave you. I can't convince you. I can't try to make you understand. I can't coach you into that. All I can do is say, look, I don't understand, but I just know that there was one who took so much more, so much more abuse, so much more pain, so much more ejection. Look to him, see what, how he has forgiven you. Uh, the second kind of soil that we see here is a shallow soil. It's, it's a seed that fell upon the rocks, and because it, the, the soil was shallow, the roots never got deep. And so when the sun came, it scorched the plant, and it was no more. There wasn't enough roots there. So th- you're, this is the person who received, who did hear the word of God, and they did respond with joy. They were, they were excited about what they were hearing, um, uh, and they did respond to it. They didn't automatically uh, rejected, but what happens is when when suffering has come, when trouble come, they turn back and they're like, "Well, what was that all about? What, what what's the use of Jesus if I can't I can't have a, a nice life? You know, I got into this thing because there's some things that I wanted. I wanted things to be better for me. I wanted peace. I wanted 
you know, I, I, I wanted relationships. I, I wanted, um, you know, I wanted some kind of happiness and or whatever it is. And, and now, you know, I got in this for peace and now I don't have peace. I got in this for happiness and I don't have happiness. I got in this for relationship and now I don't have relationships. What's the use of Jesus if I can't have these things? And, and so those who, who don't allow the, the root to, to go down, here, here's the truth. And this is where, you know, I need to say things that are hard. Is that the reality is if, if that's you, um, you are wanting a blesser, not a savior. You were wanting a ble- you, you wanted help and relief, not salvation. And Jesus is nothing more than a service provider. And now that he's not providing service, you're ready to move on. Um, and if that's true, you, you weren't really looking to enter Jesus' kingdom. You, you were looking for Jesus to enter your kingdom. You were looking for him to help you do what you needed to do. And just to say, if that's you, how, how do you know? Um, how do you know if that's you? Well, when, when you have this shallow heart, when, when, you're, when you um, reflect what Jesus is saying about the seed falling amongst the rocky soil, uh, you, you, get, you get tricked into thinking that your greatest problem is that you're a sufferer and you need a solution. When the reality is, is that we're sinners and we need a savior. So if you're focused more in on your suffering than you are your sin, then your heart is shallow, it's rocky, and it's unable to hear and receive the kingdom. Now here's the great news. I think it's easy to detect. If you know that you're more worried about your suffering you're more conscious of your own personal discomfort in what's wrong with your life versus the fact, hey, I've, you know, woe is me. I've offended a savior and he's come in his grace and he, he lived the life I, I should have lived and he died in my place. Wow, amazing. Every day that I'm not experiencing the punishment of my sins is a amazing day. What, what do I have to fear in this life? Nothing, because he's, he, the, the savior has saved you. Now, if you don't think like that and feel that way, hey, this is a great news. You don't have to grovel. You don't have to pay penance. You don't have to run 100 laps. All you have to do is turn to him and say, I want you to sower, gardener, take these rocks out of my heart. I, I, I don't want that to be the case. There's a hard heart, there's a shallow heart, and the last one, which I think is the scariest, is a divided heart. And here's why it's the scariest. It's the hardest one to tell. Because in a divided heart, here's what happens. Uh, The plant grows, and it has deep roots. The plant plant grows up, so you can see it. It's not squelched by the sun. uh, You know, in the hard ground, nothing ever even comes up in the first place. So something comes up. It's not squelched by the sun. The problem is, is there's these thorns that grow up around it, and they choke out the fruit. And so this person has a divided heart. They, they worship God, but they also, there's other things that are really important to them as well. Not bad things, but they make equal or even more important than God. So work is really important. Relationships are really important. Money's really important. Career's really important. And, but they know too much to turn their, they're not like the, they're not like the guy with the shallow, um, they're not like the one with the shallow soil or, or the, the hard soil. They can't turn their back on God. They know too much. They're, they're, commit, they're in. They'll never leave. In fact, they may even look down on people who do leave. 
So they're not going backwards, but they're not going forward either. Maturity and fruit in their life is being choked out. So you're, you're going to church and you're giving, and you're, but it's all, it's all the same. It's flatlined. Yes, the seed, the, the kingdom, the seed in our heart grows very slowly, but it does grow. I, every, every year you should be able to look in, back on your life and look at the time-lapse camera and say, yeah, this is how I've grown. This is how I've changed. The Bible says that God is moving you from one degree of glory to the next. It is impossible to retreat. It's even impossible to uh, stay the same. The Bible says, that if Jesus says, it goes, I am the true vine. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. This will happen. It's a major problem if, if your giving stays the same, if your heart for serving stays the same, your heart for people stays the same, your relationship with God stays the same. Now, there's, I don't want to get too much into quantifying and what that looks like, but you know what I'm talking about. If you can feel like I'm just the same that I was yesterday, that is a problem. We've experienced that. My wife and I, we... Um, and it's happened in a few different ways. Um, the, the one that seems to come up every once in a while is in the area of giving. And, and most recently, a couple years ago, I mean, this is what happens. You know, I'm 39. You get middle-aged, and, uh, you know, you, get, you, know, you ha- get a house and a mortgage and, you know, a couple kids and insurance policies, and all of a sudden, life is about um, curtains and golfing and... Um, you know, should we get hardwood or carpet and, you know, whatever. And so those are all good things, by the way. Those are all great, you know, those are, they're all good things. But here's, here's the problem, is that if, if this somehow begins to rival, rival Christian maturity and growth and fruit, like I care just as much if what kind of car, you know, if we have what kind of car we have, is I do um, what kind of fruit is in my life. You know, am I devastated if we don't get the, you know, if I don't get the golf clubs I want, or am I devastated that there, I can't see fruit in my life in this area? And so we came to this conclusion, it's like, well, we're giving money. In fact, we're giving as much as we've ever given, but it's, it's safe giving. It's giving that we can afford. It's giving that doesn't affect our lifestyle. So it's like we're not seeing fruit in this area. We're not seeing growth in this area. So we, we, we had to make that change. More recently, here in the past couple months, it had to do with um, just our own personal space. I mean, just, you know, I mean, I, so with, with a growing church and other responsibilities, you know, life gets busy. And, and, and so we got in this mode to where we're, we're, we, we got, we're trying to make good use of our time but what ended up happening, we, we ended up really protecting our time. And so we got in this mode where we were, we were protecting, we were protecting, we were protecting, we were protecting. And kind of getting inward about it, actually. And we were in relationships, and we were in relationships where we were discipling people, we were in relationships where we were leading people, we were in relationships even where we were sharing the gospel. But it was all fairly static. And just more recently, we just felt like God's saying, I, I want to take you away from protecting your time and giving away your time. Almost where it feels a little bit reckless to us. You see, we, we, you, personal space is good. You need it. We're, we're kind of introverted anyway. And so like, you know, too much people time, it, 
it does wear on us. And so we, there is this kind of healthy rhythm, but we got to a place where we were being overprotective. And we saw a lack of fruit in some of our, in, in the relationships that were, not the people we're in relationship with, don't, sorry, friends. That's what I meant. I mean, like, I meant like we just, it just wasn't, we weren't branching out. And we, and we just felt like God's speaking to us about that. But we have to hear that. We have to, we got to get in close to hear things like that. Because there's noises out there. And so we've kind of, all through our life, just looking at, just talking about decision making for a second. And again, I, I use some of these personal examples, not to say that this is what you should do per se, but just to let you know where, what God has whispered to us. See, we, we made a decision a long time ago that we were, we were more, we, we would rather make a wrong decision for the right reasons than make a right decision for the wrong reasons. And, and what that looks like is this. Is so we, um, w- when we've bought houses, the neighborhood, the neighborhoods we've chosen and the houses that we've chosen, we didn't think about, this wasn't my castle, this wasn't her refuge, and this wasn't primarily a good investment. This is our home. We decide, okay, our home is if we're to seek God in everything, we are to seek his kingdom in the home that we buy. So any home that we buy is going to be for the purpose of ministry, not ourselves. And so when we first bought a home in 2002, we had a lot of UMSL kids, and so we, we felt God say, go buy a house in Normandy. So we went and bought a house in Normandy. And which, what the, where we were at, it wasn't a good, it wasn't any of those things. And so we, um, and then when we, when we were buying a building, um, we felt like wherever you buy, we felt like God said, wherever you buy a building, go buy a house there. So that's what we did. We bought this building here in this neighborhood. And then um, in September, 2006, and then we, in May of 2007, we bought our house a half mile from here. And that's how we've bought houses. We've wanted to hear, now the, the noise out there, the noise out there is you make a good financial decision. The noise out there is you get the house that you want. The noise out there is all other kinds of things, but the whisper to us was buy this, these houses. We felt that in our education, our those of us who live in the city know that it's difficult uh, finding good uh, education choices, especially if you don't have a lot of money. And so we um, are there's there's there is a there is a school in our city. It's a gifted program that it's hard to get into. You have to test into, and then you go through this big lottery process. Well, when we got Ella, when she's in kindergarten, got into school, it's Canard, and it's the it, back then and still is is the number one elementary school in the state of Missouri. And, but the, the next year, after her first year, my wife f- her, felt like God was saying to her um, that, she, that she was to stay home with, um, w- she needed more time with Ella and she was to stay home with her and so she was to be homeschooled. Just by the way, I don't care what, I don't care if you send your kids to public school, private school, or homeschool. I, I don't want to get into that argument. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Um, and I'm trying to say this is what God was saying to us. Now, I'm, if you know me, I'm very practical, very pragmatic. And I said, okay, hey, wait, this is the number one elementary school in the state. Uh, and she says, yeah, I'm hearing God. I'm like, well, I'm not hearing anything. And so, um, <laughs> and so we went back to that thing, which was, hey, look, I'd rather make a wrong decision for the right reasons than make a right decision 
than make a wrong to make a right decision for the wrong reason. I, whatever, you get it. I'm getting confused. Um, and so for us, it's just like, I know. I know that, I, I know these verses. I know it says, he who has ears of him here. I know that it's hard to listen. I know that God whispers. And the worst thing in the world to me isn't where we live. The worst thing in, to, in the world to me isn't that we, our kids don't get a ed- good education. The, the worst thing in the world to me is that, I somehow can't hear what God is saying. And I want you to be very sensitive to what God would say to you. And I want to serve you warning to be careful how you hear. I want you to, in a sense, begin to push out a bit what you think God is saying. Now get wisdom. We got wisdom, get people involved. The fact that it actually pushes you toward people. One of the things about hearing God's voice is it pushes you toward people, not away from people. There's none of this, God told me, so I'm going to do it by myself stuff. The, what, the voice of God is like, man, God's telling me this, and I think this is stupid. Please tell me I'm not crazy. You, you need people in your life to help you with that. Got people, not knuckleheads, but people who will help, who are going in the same direction, who want to hear God like you want to hear God, who, who are going to push you toward faith as well. As wisdom, and sometimes it only seem like the same thing. And so we've we've just kind of, um, you know, lived our life that way. And here's the thing: um, when it comes to hearing God, we have to remind ourselves that that Jesus has done the heavy lifting already. He's the one who approached us. He's the one who left heaven to come to earth, live perfect life. He died on the cross for us. The Bible says that when he died on the cross, it says the, the, tortin, uh, tortin, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The, the curtain in the temple represented it, 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 what kept people from God's presence. And when Jesus died on the cross, there was nothing now separating us from God's presence. Now we can, now is God with man and man with God and, and we, can, we can commune together. Restored relationship has come back to focus. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was saying, I want to be with you. I want to dine with you. I want to speak to you. I have spoken to you. I want you to draw close to me. Even now, and it says in Revelations 3.21 that Jesus is even now standing at the door and he's knocking. Can you hear him knocking on your door? Can you pick up the voice of God? Could God tell you today to go in a completely different direction? Could God tell you today to drop this and pick up that? Lean into him. He wants to speak to you. The kingdom of God comes by hearing, take care how you hear.